Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. Hope you're all doing well. Great to have you with us on the show. All back to normal this week. I can feel it even out there. Schools are back. Midterm over. Into the routine again. And we're on the run into Christmas. I can say it now. Yes, the other thing is past us. It's okay to say it. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. And we have a stellar lineup for you. I promise you today, starting with the most wonderful man. I met him back on Late Lunch. I'd say it was around 2017 or so when he was starting out on this road. His name is Simon Ryan. He's known as Simon the Magician and he's going to work a little magic I'm sure with me today. Simon, great to see you again. Hi Jerry. how are you? Thanks very much for having me. I'm delighted to have you and I'm, I'll tell you why I'm thrilled because I've been watching you from afar through the Covid times and beyond and it's safe to say you're really flying aren't you? Well I have to say there's there's ups and downs in life Jerry, and I've I've most certainly had my downs and I've had my ups yes. but um it's it's been going really really well for me of late as two years through covid um I just didn't know what to do with myself so I adopted the virtual entertainment route I went down that way and it worked really well for me couldn't believe it and still to this day we're performing at virtual events and weddings and corporate events around around the country and doing a lot of stuff um, on a regular basis. So it's it's been it's been a great pleasure and a deal to work with a lot of great people and companies. And it all began. We, we were chatting just before we came on there, and it was great to make the connection again because Mark McCormick is the man behind Create the Great in You, and of course I've interviewed Mark as well. And there's another lad who's flying along uh, with his business etc. at the moment, but really. He was the man, you mention him, don't you, as being the man that sent you down this path? Well, Mark is kind of a man of many talents. Like me and Mark have broken onto different roads because I've 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 con- continued in the magic. Mark is getting very busy with Create the Great and New. He's exceeded um, his expectations himself. But uh, with the likes of myself, I've went on a busy road with family and, and life and all of that stuff. And I've had my ups and downs and... And I can only thank the people that have helped me and that have believed in me over the five years of of starting in this business. I can't even believe I'm saying five years mm. because I've built up some amount of clientele and friendships and people around. So it's been it's been amazing. But Mark has been I'd have to I have to give him a great mention that he's he's the one that has had the belief in me from day one that I've I, ha- I have a hidden talent that you have to go and showcase it and uh, publish it everywhere and become the best you can be and believe in yourself, you know. Isn't it great to have somebody like that, that you can say, that man played a huge part in in where I am today. You mentioned ups and downs and you've had your downs. Yes, there's been plenty of uh, heartache along the road. Um, But um, I suppose a a lost ship at sea, if it doesn't have an anchor, doesn't have anywhere to go, it's going to crash. But the the most important thing with me was, Jerry. Uh, I've always had a goal, I've always had a purpose and I've always tried to focus on my work or my athletics wherever I was, I've always tried to keep throw myself forward and get stuck into it so with family and with kids and changes and all of that stuff um, I've I've just continued to put my head down and work as hard as I can mm. and um, You lost three people in your life You've lo- you lost your dad? I've lost two sisters um, 2006, 2012 
I lost my mother. I lost my brother. I've lost my son. And a lot of probably influential people in my life I've lost, but they're mm. they're still there, you know what Is I mean? Is your dad I, still alive? My dad passed away, yeah, well, in yeah. 2019, yeah, yeah, you know, just so. after my son, yeah. Yeah, that's a, an enormous amount of, of loss. And your little boy, we want to mention him today, Billy James. Billy James, yeah, an amazing, an amazing baby. Um, you know, um, suppose being in Crumlin Hospital for maybe three or four months, seeing babies come and go and seeing babies under so much pressure and families it was um i suppose it brought a different light onto me you know mm. um and um billy billy i suppose it's hard to talk about billy but it's uh, i think we should talk about billy and i think billy should be highlighting all the babies and the magical people at laurel lynn who who do a service an amazing service to um families mm. around the country and some even in the uk and around the world that they they have uh, ongoing sessions and ongoing support and and guidance there. So they've been influential influential on us and our family and helping us to deal with with Billy's terms. Mm. And you know, it's it, it was just quite tough um, dealing with at the start, um, as we had the baby, a perfect baby, that had to actually um, go through all that you went through. So we had um, he had a he had he had a condition called. Um, it was a heart condition, Jeremy. Yes. Um, so it, there wasn't really a lot we could do. Um, just wait for the surgeries and wait for things to kind of manifest and see how how um, he would come on. But he he was kind of he was kind of it was a short life, but it was an amazing life. Mm. We we even got to see him smile and have fun and and but we lost him then at at kind of we we had him on the second of September, twenty nineteen, and then on December the fifteenth. Uh, of 2019 we lost them mm. um, due to all the surgeries and all the things that were going on but I have to say Laura Lynn were fantastic to us and they, they still are to this mm. day you know so it was a heartache alright you know Yeah it's awful to lose a child it really is but when you mention your sister's brother dad and all you've had to deal with your amazing resilience and I know you talk about that anchor your partner your other children as well your family all the people you mentioned there you know that support Unbelievable. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be the person today without my family, yes. without my kids and without my partner and, and that. And, and that's for sure. And sometimes I'm always rushing and I'm diving and going and rushing here and rushing there. And they don't know how much of an anchor they are to me. So they're fantastic. And uh, I continue to support them as much as I can. Mm. And that's why I had to come back on a couple of things in my life, like athletics. I was pushing that career. I had to push back on that and I had to go, no, what's important really after Billy's death is taking care of your family and doing your basic stuff in life mm. and keeping things simple and just living day to day and being, I think most importantly, being happy. Yes. Being the spark you can be, you know. Mm. And and if you lose that, which I was kind of during my athletic career, I was too yeah. intense. I'm getting a lot of fun out of the magic. I'm getting a lot of fun bringing fun to people's life and taking away the darkness for five or ten minutes from their lives, is which is what I do. So that's what's making me most popular at events is is being able to have fun. Do you know when you look back though on that, I just want to ask you this and stop you there for a moment. Do you regret, you know, the, the commitment and the intensity of the athletics and your talent, your real talent at athletics? Do you, do you look back on that and think, you don't look back at that and think that that, that was wasted? No, no. no. That's, I think that's what made me, it gave me the fire. Yes. It gave me the resilience. And as Mark, as Mark tapped on a couple of years ago, um, the, the the 3C's communication, collaboration, creativity, all of that stuff. But it's also it's also created um, um, it's a resilience within me that that kind of helps me to kind of you know navigate everything in my life. Mm. So it's um, if that mm. makes any sense. Really. And you are a talent, and there's something goes along with talent. There's a thing called dyslexia. Yes. that people live with mm. and you always find these people are the most talented brilliant people and that was you yeah you lived with dyslexia for years yeah and still do Jerry so when I was I suppose six and seven I was struggling to do the basic things in class so I became the disruptive child I became the one that had the issues in the class but little did we all know that once Simon got a little bit of PE time he was brand new you know but when I didn't get that type of PE or that type of uh, time to for myself, I struggled. You know, I struggled because I was too, 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 too kind of um, pushy and clingy in class and trying to disrupt things and all of that stuff. But um, the selexia over the years kind of really got me because no matter where what channel I went, if I wanted to become a PE teacher or if I wanted to become um, 
um, a social care worker, whatever it was I was trying to do, uh, I really, really struggled with it, you know. So I found the running, the running was like a career for me. And that was something that I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. And that because no one can bother me here, I can do my races and I don't need to read and write or do forms and papers. But little did I know when injuries came and things changed, I needed to turn my head to the papers and started doing a lot of a kind of um, work related stuff. Uh, and I struggled with school and all of that stuff for a long time. And then I found my talent in magic, turning that into a business. And then, as you said, the, the, the running and all of that stuff that gave me the um, resilience to, to mm. maintain a business and keep everything going with a family. And when things are changing and ducking and diving in your life, um, you need that kind of bit of fire. Or you need that kind of bit of grit to mm. keep going. And it's not easy. A lot of people are struggling in the world now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. had you been diagnosed earlier, do you feel it would yeah, have been? Yeah, I've been diagnosed with a mild change. learning mm. difficulty, mm. but I, I exaggerated, of course, because I, I always the silly one in class, as we Irish people do, we we, <laughs> we exaggerate our um, sometimes we are, you know, if, if, you know, you, you, you do something and you, you, you exaggerate it to the highest level. But um, for me, I suppose on 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 a level of um, school and all of that stuff, I just I I couldn't I couldn't really yeah. I couldn't mm. really kind of focus down that road too much. Yeah, and you know I went to school with lads who when when I reflect now I understand what the issue was and it was misdiagnosed or undiagnosed or whatever you like to call it. You know what I mean? And you were looked at as I say I know these guys disruptors and problem, but you know what? Later on, like yourself. They yeah. achieved, achieved so much. Yeah, as you made the point as well, like we, we always have these hidden talents, you know, mm. and school, I kind of when I applied myself from third year, I had a, I had a PE coach called Frank Brady, who was magical in my life as well. Great man. Know. Yeah, Frank Brady. Was, I know Frank Brady. And I mean, he, 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 he turned my life around from mm. because I was struggling between second year and third year and I was showing very good promise at my athletics. And Frank just said, if you just dig in a little bit in school and stay in the class, and even if we have to change your class, we'll mm. do that and we'll manage that. I started to pick up a couple of All-Ireland medals and I started to do really well. And then I got through sixth year and I got out and then I started going to college. And then that's where I thought life would be really good. But that's where things got harder for me. Mm. And um, But just applying myself as much as I could and not really tapping into the... Um, oh, there's something wrong with you type of thing. It's just yes. tapping into what you can do best. And then, as I said, when I found that I could perform the magic um, and that's just kind of excelled for me. Fantastic. Can you do a little something with me on the magic to move on and well, and we, just let's concentrate for a few moments on yeah, your we can, brilliance, we, please? We, we can have a little bit of fun. So, yeah. Jerry, we, we haven't set anything up beforehand, have we? You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a little break. My producer Louise say, break now and yes. let him come back with the magic with you. This man is simply fantastic. Simon the Magician. Simon Ryan is with me on Late Lunch. Don't go anywhere. Simon Ryan. Simon the Magician is with us on Late Lunch. And you know me and magic and illusion and all this type of thing. I absolutely love it. What have you for me today? So, Jerry, thanks very much for having me. Jerry, um, something a little bit. Um, have, have we Have we ever met before? We have met before, but have we said anything up beforehand? Never. Never. Never We ever. haven't said anything. Oh, so anybody please. that sees me perform will go, how, how did you do that? Yes. Or if they see it on, they hear it on the radio, they'll go, oh no, that was set up. Something no like set up. This man, I haven't seen him in years till he walked into the station today. Pretty. Quick phone call to set this up, nothing else. Pretty. That's so, the truth. So Jerry, what we're going to do is we're going to go on a magical holiday. We're going to go somewhere abroad. Where, where would you travel? You can write this stuff down. It doesn't really matter. Where, where would you actually travel? What country would you go to? Somewhere where you would like. It's your choice. And just think of this in my yeah, head. Yeah, say it out loud for the radio. So we'll, well all I say it for the radio. Yeah, yeah. Italy, of course. They so know Italy, I absolutely Italy. adore is Italy. It, is it just a place in Italy or is it really Italy? Italy itself. Italy itself. I, you know, it's I'm only like back from Venice. Somewhere a few nice weeks like ago. Sardinia or somewhere Ooh, else. Sicily, <laughs> Sicily, you know. So yeah. you're happy with Italy, yeah? Yeah, I'm happy with Italy. So, Jerry, it's going to get a little bit more private. So, you're going to take a certain amount of money to Italy with you. So, you can be greedy, you can be whatever you want to be. Okay. But you can, you can take as much as you want. How much money would you take to Italy with you? It's your choice, Jerry. Right, so I'm going for a week. Let's say we're going for a week. As long as you want. A week, yeah. So you yeah. want to take a certain amount of money. Now you're thinking about this. You're thinking I'm, I'm, well, are you looking for cash or do I, can I flash me card as and, I go any along? Any amount of money you want, Jerry. How much do you want? To bring with yeah. me. Yeah. Cash. Much, cash. What What would you like to bring with I'll you? I'll bring 2,000 euro cash with me. Two grand, yeah. yeah. No, 2,000. Now to make sure this is right, you have that. No, Jerry, this is more personal. You're going to either meet someone on this holiday or you're going to go with someone. It could be past or present. 
who is that person? It could be a celebrity, someone that you wanted to meet for five minutes, someone you want to go and see. It could be an artist, it could be a play, it could be anything, but a person, someone unique to you. Now you're starting to laugh, Jerry, you're starting to shake up, you're starting to go, you have someone in your head. Who is this person? Now this is my really private. So you're going to Italy, you're bringing about three grand, was it? Two grand? Two grand. Two grand. Jeez, it's not enough now when I think of this woman. Yeah. <laughs> It's a woman. Okay, Jerry, who, who are you going to meet? Who are you going to have coffee with? Oh, whatever. Now, now, I'd be going to my wife normally, but it's somebody else you want, is it? Do you want it? No, it's up to you, Jerry. Do you want it to be just your wife or do you want to bring a name to the year? It's your choice. I'm going to be divorced. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, what do you want, Jerry? But oh, what I'd we... love to go to Italy with Kylie Minogue. I'd Kylie. love it. I'd Kylie. Love it. Yeah, yeah, Kylie yeah, is yeah. the Australian one, yeah? I'm, I'm dead meat and he's showing to the house this evening. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> Kylie Minogue are you happy with that Jerry? oh yeah very oh am I happy and you better up the cash there when I'm looking after her Kylie Minogue okay so I, sh- I shouldn't have done this Jerry was there any way I could have set this up today in any way at all that's most of your information is there yeah yeah now Jerry inside my wallet inside my wallet inside the, the pocket of your jacket which you're reaching for there yeah, now is, is, is in the zipper compartment of my wallet yeah Jerry don't, don't freak out or anything but we haven't met and I've just asked you on on, this, on air, and it's the first time I've done this on the radio. But is there any way I could have possibly known that this was going to be the exact details? Not of at you all. Not at all. Now, Jerry, I'm going to give you the wallet. You're going yeah. to take the wallet and you no, just hold no. it there, really yeah. tight for a second. Okay. Jerry, inside that wallet, there is there anything strange about the wallet? Any kind of Bluetooth technology? Any Nothing. Kind of no, it's just strange, a plain wallet. Just a plain, plain wallet. Little leather wallet. If you open the wallet... Can I open it? Yeah, and on the zipper compartment somewhere, there will be a zipper compartment somewhere, there should be a sealed envelope. Okay, in here, is it? (laughs) Pull it out. Yes, there is. The envelope should be somewhat sealed. Give us back the wallet. Can I give you the wallet? Now, Jerry, wait a minute. I have, look, look at the little... Louise, you'll verify this, won't you, Louise? Jerry, just to be sure. Louise, verify it. The envelope is sealed, is that correct? Yes. Is there any kind of, like, tamperings with the envelope or anything like that? Well, Jerry, to let you know, yesterday I prepared this and I put in a little slip of paper. Is there any way that I could get close to the details that you've just mentioned no. on air? No. Very slowly, open the envelope. I haven't touched it. Or in your hands. Can open, I open it? Open Louise, you will verify. Louise is watching us yeah. here. Louise, you will verify all that's happened I there. Will, yes. yeah. And the envelope. Sealed, Look at it. It's small sealed. little Okay, let envelope, me, let me yeah. can I tear it? Do it yourself, Jerry, because you're, uh, people yeah. are going to be surprised by your reactions. You open it up, Jerry. And no, make I sure have this. There should be a little slip in there. It should be a piece of card or a paper. There is is a it li- folded up, Jerry? It's folded up. Okay, open it slowly and very slowly read what it says. It says on this little card, and I read it out as it sealed is. Sealed inside an envelope. Sealed inside an envelope, inside a wallet, and the inside of your jacket pocket. It says, Jerry will travel to Italy. Oh, wow. <laughs> One. He will take the amount of 2,000 wow. euro with him. <laughs> and he's meeting <laughs> Miss Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Louise, look at this. That's crazy. Isn't that mm. just magic? It really... How? Oh, I'm not going to even ask. I don't want to know. That's incredible. That is incredible. Sealed in that. Look at the envelope. Look, I've uh, sealed inside it in there since yesterday. Oh, my word. It is just fantastic. And that's the magic that's shaken up the world. That the is the magic that's shaken up the world. And that is Simon Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. For people listening today, I know you're busy with weddings, corporate functions, parties, you name it. Yeah, so, Jerry, I do a lot of corporate events at the moment for some of the biggest... Well, I just want to mention a couple of... some. The Draw the Chamber has been good to me over the last year and two years, endorsing my name and stuff yes. like that and helped me to get out there. Um, so I have to say all the corporate stuff has been good and the weddings have been good. Do a lot of wedding reception, entertainment, do a mm. lot of this type of stuff. Bringing bring the magic and happiness first and then delving into the, the, the deeper stuff when people want it, you know? Um, and then the private parties and all of that stuff. It's been going brilliant and it's continuing to shine and it's um, I'm very happy to be doing what I do How do people contact you to find out more or book you? Um, just go to www.themagician.ie or get us on Instagram themagician.ie or Facebook themagician.ie or Simon Ryan the Magician Look at the smile and the happiness you've brought to this child on the other side of this microphone today Simon Ryan thank you so much for joining me You're very kind Best wishes to you Take care Thank you I want to quote my next guest before I introduce her. She says, the fact is you don't have to be artistic 
to have creativity in your life. Creativity spans more areas of your life than you realise. Everyone has the potential to be more creative. Really, I'm delighted to say hello to the founder of School of Conscious Living, psychotherapist Monica Hawley. Hello, Monica. Hi, Jerry. Thanks very much for having me on. Not at all. I read your wonderful article in The Times a couple of weeks ago and I said, I've got to speak to this lady because you see, Monica, I probably don't have to remind you of this. An awful lot of people say, I'm not creative at all. I wasn't born with it. It's not in me genes. Not so, you say? Absolutely not. I think, first of all, it's about deciding, well, do we want to shake things up do we want to do something different are we tired of what we're doing already or are we feeling a little bit stuck i think that being creative is about deciding that you want to uh, do something different create something different and uh, that's where it needs to start we need to sort of decide yeah we're just a bit tired of what the way things have been the way things are and that we want to do something different. So I think there has to be the desire to do it. And then I think the rest will follow. So it is within all our scopes to be certainly more creative, no matter where we are in life, age wise, what we're at in terms of work or family situation. And you're really adamant about this. I laughed when you quoted Einstein, because it is a great quote uh, when he says we can't expect to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. That is so true and still holds today. So what are you talking about? What do you mean by changing things? Is it the little things in life can make it happen? Again, it depends on what we want. I mean, I was very struck recently seeing a roadworks man turning a sign from no to uh, stop to go. And I was saying, well, how, you know, are you enjoying that? And he said, well, I just do it. I get up early and I'm well paid. And I was thinking, well, he wouldn't be a candidate for my creativity workshops in that he was perfectly happy. And somebody has to do it, stand and turn a sign from stop to go. But I'm talking about people who are saying, yeah, I'd like to do something different. And I do think that at this juncture in our society that there's been so much change and so much has collapsed that really it's a great opportunity for us to start to do things differently. And people have already embraced this. You know, we see people sitting outside restaurants with their coats on and we see people sort of minding kids at home and doing work as well. And, you know, the people are have become more creative through COVID, through, you know, a lot of institutions have collapsed. You know, we don't have the same faith in the institutions we once have. And my passion is that it really is, you know, there's an opportunity with every crisis and that it really is an opportunity for more of us to look at, well, what do we want? What do we want our lives to look like? You know, do we want to go and buy a house in Leitrim and work from home there and grow our own veg? And, you know, I met a lovely woman from Eastern Europe who came to me for a few sessions who decided, yeah, I'm going to move out to the city. I'm going to buy a lovely cottage and I'm going to have a room that I can do my craft work and I can still work online and do my job and get paid much more space. And she, you know, I think that more and more that is happening, that people are wanting to reinvent and reimagine how they want their lives to look. So that's what I think is the good stuff that has come out of the last few years with all the COVID and lockdown, Mm. etc. and institutions collapsing. I hear what you're saying, but there's two words are appearing in front of my mind's eye here as you speak. Firstly, fear. People are afraid, you know what I mean, to take the step, to make the move. And secondly, routines. Should we get into routines? That's another downside of COVID. We got into routines of not going anywhere and withdrawing into ourselves. Could you take those two? How do you, you know, get beyond the fear and the routine? Yeah. Yes, I mean, I think the whole pandemic has been frightening for a lot of people, and that is true. And I think that there is, though, a lot of people who are coming through this thinking, yeah, now I'd really like to sort of design my own life a little bit more um, and to move beyond the fear. So, you know, what can I do to create more of the life I want? What can I do to support my own health as well, you know, that... It's not just random. Um, How can we nurture ourselves more? And to take a more empowered approach, I suppose, Jerry, is what I'm advocating. You know, Mm. we are going to be fearful if we're feeling paralyzed and we're just stuck and there's not much we can do. And the work that I do is 
helping people move beyond that to what can they do? And that's a much more fulfilling and empowered way to be in our lives than uh, fear, you know? So I think it's really important to sort of be aware. Are we ready to sort of do something different, to take charge of our own lives a little bit more? And then, you know, look at the fear. You know, I think that, uh, you know, I don't want to say something too negative, but the media, but the, you know, news does tend to be negative. And I know that's what people want, but I think we have to watch our diet of um, how much do we allow ourselves to listen to stuff that's nourishing? Who are the people we want to be with that is nourishing? What are the things that we want to do is nourishing? Yes. Um, And so that's all a good sort of antidote to the fear, you know. That's why you and a lot of others are with me on this channel on LMFM Radio today, rather than another channel where you'll get tons of the doom and gloom and all that type of stuff. So please remember that when you're listening to us here, you're getting the alternative for sure. And that's what we're all about. But, you know, seriously, on on the the shaking up of things and the routine, you mentioned, you know, and I was I smiled when I saw you saying this. Take another route to work. Eat yes. your tea at a different time. Approach yes. people maybe you haven't spoken to in the past. And I remember one occasion when I was going to lectures myself in UCD. Now it's many moons ago, but you'd know this yourself, Monica. Do you know the way people and we were doing a degree course? You, you get you sit in the same seat in the lecture hall. And I went in one night and I decided, you know what? I'm fed up with this. I'm going to move. And when I moved, you'd want to see the star it caused among everybody else. They were looking at me thinking, that's my seat, people were saying. You shouldn't be sitting there. You know what I mean? A little shake up of the routine. Absolutely. And yes, and I suppose we are all guilty of uh, going for the same old, same old. And uh, I know that's often in workplaces. And when I used to work in a health centre, you know, it was my mug and nobody else dared take my <laughs> mug. You hear but people have their own seats and their own chairs. But I really think it's good for us to actually uh, shake things up and to, as I said, take a different route to work or talk to different people. And uh, I know it comes more naturally to some people than others. And yeah. I'm sort of fairly predictable in my unpredictability, you know, <laughs> but that's also why I like to support people. And sometimes we just need somebody else to say, well, yeah, actually, it is possible to do something different or it is possible to say to your boss, actually, I'd work like to do another day from home or it is, they're much more possibilities often than we realize and that's why I love working with creative entrepreneurs who are people that I see as people who want to who see positives see possibilities see opportunities and want to make the most of them and as I said earlier I do think it's a great time for more of us to be stepping up and designing our own lives I was up in the north over the weekend and there's a big market in the Cookstown street and there was a fella selling cost of living socks Jerry cost of living socks do you know what cost of living sucks? <laughs> no, please, tell us. Sorry? Tell us, tell us, please. <laughs> well, it's the first I've heard of cost of living socks. They were £2.99 on the street in Cookstown on Saturday. But there's a fellow who's a creative entrepreneur who's shaking things up and seeing the opportunity mm. in the, uh, you know, obviously people are worried about money and uh, rising uh, heating bills, etc., etc. But cost of living socks is a pretty creative response. <laughs> my producer wants to know what they double up as oven gloves she's obviously having trouble uh, with, with taking the, the roast out of the oven but you know you are right because they mightn't necessarily be any cheaper but you know it grabs your attention and you'll head there and he'll sell there's no doubt about that uh, that's yeah. for sure isn't that, isn't that so you work of course I want to mention you work an awful lot with uh, entrepreneurs and people in business making their way as well do, do you find that like we're talking in a general sense here but you know to make your way in business with an idea is a real challenge too yes and businesses have been forced to reinvent themselves and to use that well-coined phrase of pivot. But I believe that that can be good, that we do have to keep changing according to how society has changed. And as we know, businesses have been, a lot of businesses have found it tough, but a lot of businesses have been very creative. And the people I work with are people who have um, wanted to change what they do. And I do think, and you see this more with the millennials who want to actually line up more with who they really are and what their real strengths are. And I think that that's the possibility in the current 
changes and shifts that maybe we need less, maybe we need to spend less, maybe we need to own less, but maybe we need to be doing more that lines up with who we really are and mm. what makes our hearts sing. And I know I've always been happiest in my life when I've been doing work that sort of I love doing and I found that I've needed less and, you know, you'd be sort of less materialistic because it's actually a more spiritual thing if you're choosing to engage in work and hobbies that really make you feel good. You know, yes. Um, yes. one of the psychologists talked about that thing of being in flow. If we're doing something that's, I'm sure like you on your radio show now, that you're in flow, so you're not looking at the clock, you're, you know, I'm sure you're not looking at your paycheck, you're just really enjoying the conversations. And I think those kind of satisfying experiences that line up with who we are are really a great way to go forward in our work and in how we design our lives. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense and you're 100% right. I never look at the clock but my producer Louise tells me I have to look at the <laughs> clock at times and take breaks and do all that. It sure would be the wild west here if you let me to my own devices to be honest with you Monica. But just a couple of things before we finish. Yeah. You, you do point and, and it is so true Go out to a gallery, go to a play, a musical, a cinema, go for a walk in nature and it prompts so much. It really does. I love walking and, and thinking with my dog. It's a time I get a, a, an awful lot out of, would you believe it, when I'm on my own and my with my thoughts as well. But all those recommendations are sound. But my final question is this, because I, I, I love the title of your business, you know, con- the School of Conscious Living. How do you reconcile consciousness with social media and the World Wide Web, Monica. Give, <laughs> please, answer me, answer me. Yeah. I see consciousness, I mean, there's a lot, I'm sure, of very technical definitions of consciousness. I just mean help people become, a place where we can become more aware. So more aware of, you know, how we can be more creative, how we're going to bring more creativity to our work lives, to our hobbies, to getting out on Sunday, what makes us feel good, Um how we nurture ourselves. And uh, so I think that all of those are um, really important, you know, and I think that, uh, so I lost my track there, Joe. I just say that last No, no, the, the point of, you know, consciousness and oh, the, yeah. the online world versus On the, the media, real world. Media, yes, sorry, yes, yes, yes. No, I think we really have to make sure that our phones don't take over our lives. And so consciousness will, of course, apply most importantly to our relationship with social media and with our technology and our phones. And I think that hopefully we've just been through a phase of young people and most people are really quite attached to their phones. And I'm hoping that we will become more, bring more consciousness to the whole relationship with social media and uh, be more aware of when we're switching off, on when we're switching off. And I notice with the young people who come to me for my a psychotherapy practice they are sort of being more aware of switching off and digital detoxes mm. and i know that companies are saying well no we don't need you to be answering an email on a friday evening or a sunday morning and even if we might send it it doesn't mean that you're obliged to respond so i think that consciousness is a very broad term that applies to all of that to you know what makes us feel good how what's inducing more fear what's going to help us feel more courageous what's going to help us feel more creative just to be more aware and i think it's really a great time for us to start to be more aware and to start to see the opportunities that are there and that you know the work i want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at uh1.com it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I do um, have a new group starting on Wednesday for creative entrepreneurs, just people who want to engage in work that's aligned to who they are, you know, so I have some uh, an adult education person, somebody who teaches yoga, a health practitioner, somebody who's just finishing a social, very busy social and successful social media career who wants to change. So I love supporting people that are saying, I've been doing this for so long, but I'm feeling I want to do something different. I'm mm. feeling a little bit stuck. And that's what I see as the opportunity for creativity. And I really see that we can really benefit from somebody to help us with that and to hear what we're saying and believe that, yes, there are other possibilities. Keep on prompting, keep on making us think and look inside and out because I love what you do. The School of Conscious Living, monicahawhey.ie. Check her out. It's been lovely to chat to you today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Monica Hawhey there. Very interesting. Routine, stuck in a routine is the worst thing it can be. It really is. Even though there's comfort in it, I know that. And it's hard to, to break out. But uh, I get bored too. I do get bored. Louise will tell you that. I get bored with things and I just think, come on, let's shake it up. And we've got to keep shaking things up for ourselves. And it makes a huge difference to our families, our communities, our countries and the world. It really, really does. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. We're back with you in a moment. Backstreet Boys on your Late Lunch. Yes, fantastic song. Sad, isn't it, that Aaron Carter died really young yesterday, his death reported, and his brother, Nick, a singer with Backstreet Boys there. My God, tragedy, more tragedy in the music industry. We remember him today. Wonderful song, that, going back there a few years. Louise, welcome back to Late Lunch. How was your midterm? It was great. Nice to be (laughs) off. Well... It was chaotic with the kids, though, of but course, it was nice. Of course, of course. And, and so many people ask, the weather, I have to say. I said we need boats, and oh, I wow. said it there. Rain. It, the ra- I, I, I was in Donegal, oh, so when it rains, it rains. Oh, 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 oh. You were in the kingdom of Ishka. <laughs> you really were Ishka. Um, I have to say, must have been hard rain between Saturday night and yesterday. I got the moor on the back grass on Saturday, the last cut of the year. I won't touch it again. Couldn't go near the front. But whatever the rain was Saturday night, my back garden was like a bog yesterday. I mean a bog. I've never seen it like it before. It's incredible the amount of rain we're getting at the moment. And I laughed. The east, southeast of England, <laughs> they said they'd never recover. They've had more rain in three days down there than they had. A, they should have for the month of November, a <laughs> month of October or whatever. But there you go. Mm. But anyway, that's the way the year started levels out. Anyway, Louise, he's back. He is. The two of us were delighted, weren't we? We, we were thrilled when we heard the news yeah, after tw- fans. 12 years. Louise. Can't believe it's that long. Ah, that's, it's really mm. difficult. Now, he was to tour five years ago, if you remember, but due to a family issue, he withdrew from all touring and, and nearly performing as such. Who are we talking about? Peter Kay is back on the stage. He yeah. really is. He's coming to Ireland. When is he coming? At the date? It's April. next April. It's next it's, April. I think it's early April, isn't it? It's the 6th or 7th or yeah, something like that? Thursday, Friday, I think he's in Dublin. He's announced two dates in Dublin at the three arena. Tickets uh, go on sale this Saturday. the tickets, he hasn't increased the price. Are no, they 30, same they're price. They're tri- £35 sterling. Am I right in saying that? I think so. Uh, they start at that price. We were at him the last time he was in Dublin. Myself, Miriam, Jerry and Sarah went to see him. So yeah. it was 12 years ago, was it? Yes, more? it was just fantastic. What a night. They just loved him so much. We'll be in the queue for tickets on Saturday like so many others. Uh, have you got them there? Will we remind ourselves what we're in store for in Dublin next April? Here we go. You know Duffy? Duffy, the Welsh songstress. Last three years I thought that poor cow were begging me for birdseed. Mercy! I thought it was birdseed! I'm not karaoke with it. Birdseed! Birdseed! Mercy! 
Apparently, according to Michael, your burgers are the best. I can Have one of them burger vans. You know, they have like, <laughs> It's indeed Josh Louise. What is the lyric? Because it actually does sound like this the burgers are the best. Oh, listen. What's the real lyric? I, I, I don't know, nor I don't care. I only believe Peter <laughs> Kay now. He has picked out those. I can't think of any, anyone that fits that. Oh, my God. He's just pure comic genius. Mm. You loved him in Phoenix Nights, didn't loved you? Loved him in Phoenix Nights, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a performer. And, uh, you know, Car Share, one of his more recent ones. Oh, Louise, the man is just... He's genius. And he's, I loved him when he was on with... Was it Parkinson he actually started with? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw Michael actually recently. He looks very frail, Michael was Parkinson. He? He's 87 now, yeah. And he was uh, interviewed in recent days with his son. And he really is shook looking. He really is with the the greatest interviewer ever. Mm. Uh, few questions, but just absolutely brilliant. What a man. But uh, yeah, he began there and then uh, he just took off. But uh, just when we went to see him, you know, you talk about going to see him in the flesh live. He just had the place in knots mm. for the two hours. He, he really had. And I'm sure he'll be back with new material as well. You know him? He's always created. Have to get some garlic bread for celebrate it's for tonight. It's the future. It's the future. <laughs> it certainly is. Ah, <laughs> oh, Peter Okay, great to hear these coming our way. Tickets on sale on Saturday. Up next on Late Lunch, GAA Grassroots Stories. PJ Cunningham has returned with a brilliant second volume of the book. He produced his first one some time ago and it went down a hoot. He's back now with a brand new one and we're going to talk about the Louth and Mead connections next. Oh, some draw, isn't it, for the last 16 of the Champions League. Not not taking place until next uh, February and March and of course the World Cup starting soon but the English clubs, Man City away to Leipzig in the first leg. Liverpool, Real Madrid, what a tie that is. AC Milan, Tottenham Hotspur. These are the English clubs I'm looking at here. Borussia Dortmund up against Chelsea but the tie of the round has to be Paris Saint-Germain up against Bayern Munich that is the match of the round for sure but uh, interesting to see those draws being made today and we're staying with sport now on uh, late lunch but moving codes because my next guest joined me when he published the first volume and what are we talking about GAA grassroots story the second one has come out recently. It's called Grassroots, the second half. He's from Claren County, Offaly. He's editor and compiler of both books now. He's a journalist and author. And I'm delighted to say hello again to PJ Cunningham. Hi, PJ. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our call and joining us on the show today. Well, congratulations on the second volume and the stories within the pages are just simply fantastic. We're going to talk a little about the Meath and Loud Connections today. And let's start right at home here with my very own producer's dad, Louise's dad, Colm Walsh. What a story this is. Absolutely. And just to say, when I held Louise's story back for the second half rather than the first book I told her I was doing that because I wanted the books to be a first among equals not just a strong first book and a weak second book and in fact the feedback I'm getting just to you can tell your producer there is that the second book is better than the first book so well done to Louise and everyone who is in this book now you're right her her story is about her dad and her dad Everyone, I presume, that has, knows anything about me, GA, will know he was a founder member of the Amani's Clubs in Navin. And he also, now and again, was a referee. And it was the story of uh, Colm as a referee that caught our interest when Louise sent it in. And mm. it basically, the family is very well known as, I, you call them jewellers, horologists, they were the, the sole watches for generations, I think, in Navin anyway. And yes. obviously... The last thing you would accuse a referee coming out of a, a, um, a shop from, up with such a background is that his watch wasn't working. But that's exactly what happened to Colm when his brother presented him with a new watch and only gave it two or three wines unknown to Colm, thinking it was fully wound. So the first half went off like clockwork, uh, excuse the pun. And when it came to the second half, after 10 minutes, he looked and he noticed it was still the same time that's when he had thrown the ball in for the second half. Now, to compound matters and to, to, to take in the plot, if you like, he had, he had a constant um, 
irritant. A, a person who used to come in every Monday morning and say, "You didn't, you didn't um, time that game right. You were out by two minutes, or you, were, yes. you should have played more. You should have played less." So when Colin looked at his watch and he said, "Lord of mercy," and he saw off slip. Um, I now I'm going to have to wing it for the rest of the game. He he said, "I I can't. I, I'm not looking forward to this." conversation with this critic in the morning. But anyway, he, like every good referee, he tuned into what people were saying. Is it time ref? Is it this, that, and the other? And anyway, in his own time, he blew the final whistle. And the following morning, he went in and he said, he grabbed the bull by the horns first and he said, when your man entered the door and the bell rang, he said, well, how did I do yesterday? And what did your man say? The best you ever refereed in terms of time. How do you, how do you whack that? You, know, you, you can't whack it. And I want to say that Column refereed the Mead Senior Final in 1950 when North Mead beat reigning champion screen at the time by two points. So he refereed really at a very high level. His daughter is listening intently. Louise, didn't PJ tell that story brilliantly? He did. He That's did. spot on, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. can I just say, PJ, books is... You know, thanks a million for his books because they give so many people like me a chance to immortalise a loved one. Yes. You know, and I'm sure there's a load of readers that'll pick up this book in the next week, few weeks and read it and go, oh my gosh, oh, do you remember the time my sister did this on the pitch or my father did this or my uncle? And it'll mm. just bring so many other stories. It's so thanks a million, PJ. No, look, it's my place. It's very easy uh, talk about it when it's so well written by yourself, Louise. So, um, like... I have to say both the, the Loud and the Mead stories I can bat from one to the other I go into Loud for a second Yes Jerry, go on ahead yes because it. Loud is featured and I have to say the one uh, Kevin Behan I had the pleasure of interviewing myself here at length on this show when he was still alive what a fantastic man you have a cracking story about Kevin Ah no unbelievable Seamus McCrory's story and of course it's where all the Vincenzans, or however you pronounce them, from the St. Vincent's Order, came together. Normally what would happen when you were in a boarding school, as he was in St. Patrick's, is you wouldn't be let out for minor matches for your county. But because the president of the boarding school was from the same order as the guy who was training the team and the county board man, um, Kevin found himself playing, even though he should have been studying um, for the afternoon of a Sunday, in Croke Park under an assumed name. And then when he actually got his summer holidays, he had to go back and play under his own name. And the, the guy who played very well under the assumed name so, somehow disappeared off the face of the earth. And on top of Kevin's story, I must say, one of the most fascinating stories from a loud point of view was given by a well-known draw the postman, Ben Dunn. And it's about what they call the barbed wire all Ireland in Grongoch in Wales. Now, just historically, basically, what it was, was um, obviously there was the rising in 1916. The Brits got terrified of the Republicans. And what they did is they rounded up something like, I may be out here, something between 1,600 and 2,500 Republicans. And rather than leave them in the country, they had really no place to keep them, if you like, in turn. So what they did in turn, so what they did was they brought them to Wales, to this place called Frongoch. Mm. And Michael Collins was there uh, at the time, um, Nolan, after whom Nolan Park, he was president of the GEA, the longest ever serving president of the GEA at the time he was there. But Ben Dunn, who is the loud postman from Drogheda, Ben sent me in a fascinating story. His grandfather and his granduncle were there and they became part. What they decided to do with so many Irish people there, just to pass the time, was they wouldn't allow a hurling because the hurlies would be like weapons. So they said they can run a football uh, tournament. We don't mind that. So they ran what was called the Barbed Wire All-Ireland. And in it, Loud played Kerry in the final. And I think they were beaten by a point. But a really great story. And really great that somebody who is uh, a grandson of uh, people who were rounded up in 1916 and were part of of the Republican movement on one hand and really good footballers on the other hand. And a really, really lovely story. And there's much more. There's bits about Michael Collins winning some Mm. of the sprints and things like that on on the day as well. But a a really good story. Jerry, another brilliant story. um, And I I only found out later that this lady actually growing a daily from Mead is a writer and she has won some literary awards. And I remember 
ringing her a little bit I, I, like I did to Louise after I got her story in saying, this is an exceptional story, as Louise's was. And what hers was, she was a young girl. And when I say young girl, probably pre-teen. Mm. And her brother and herself were in the car. Now, I was a little afraid because her parents were having a difficulty at the time. And we're going back to the 1991 four-game saga between Dublin and Mead. Amazing. Amazing. And the way she tells it, you know the way you, you hear it told from the Cusick stand, you hear it told from the commentary box, you hear it told from the Hogan stand, you hear it told from the dugout. But here is a girl shouting for Mead at one level. Uh, here she is talking to God, trying to keep her parents together and trying to have Mead win. Mm-hmm. And her brother and herself are jousting each other in the back of the car because there's four of them it's like big price for the for to come up with tickets, and anyway, tickets were as hard to get as pens teeth. There was scarce back that time. Yes, and she tells the story about going up the Dublin mountain to listen to the match, like on the the last Saturday, which I can tell you was the sixth of July, nineteen ninety one. My third son was born that day. I'll never forget it. I got home for the second half myself, <laughs> as you do, as you do. But she was she was brilliantly talking about the personal problems and mm. then trying to get God to make sure her mom and dad got back together again and then telling God that, you know, we'll, we'll sacrifice one if we can get the other. Yeah, really yes. well written. It, it wasn't just a story. This was literature I was reading and mm. I rang Grainne to say, no, the only worry I have, are you happy that, and she said she was perfectly happy, the family wouldn't have a, a, an issue about it. So, there's some of the stories. David Carty, who played for Mead in the 60s gave a really brilliant account of I started to get interested in the GEA when Red Collier and Mead in 1967 and going to Australia and David was all part of that and he brought us inside the, the place then Brendan O'Connor is another guy who his young dad was his birthday for the 1999 All-Ireland against Cork and he couldn't get a ticket so he did a poem about his son, how to get a ticket off Desi Cahal and Ian Dempsey on 2FM. And there's a lovely story about meeting Desi afterwards. I won't spoil it for mm. uh, listeners. But great stories. Now, am I leaving anybody out? Of course. Nola Farrell and Eileen Ludlow. Uh, yeah, those, they were, they yeah. were t- uh, Nola, hers is brilliant because basically she just winged it. So she was supposed to get tickets with her friend from local butcher it didn't happen so they said right we'll use our good looks and our good charm and we'll get in and they walked in imagine this happened in uh, the 1988 All-Ireland this was against Cork actually they walked in and they used their charm and they, they held a programme which they made look like a ticket and they had a look around until they were sure that there was a few places available in the whole stand sat down and they saw Mead win the All-Ireland and they did it without ever coming within an Irish mile of having a ticket Isn't that alone. brilliant PG and you're right today couldn't happen you know what I mean with with the way things are but when you think of it and, and how they held their nerve and managed to get in and see the match without ever having a ticket as you said now besides the, the, the grassroots there you have a, a number of notables may I call them who recall their stories as well the likes of the wonderful Ken Doherty the world snooker champion Ollie Campbell what a rugby player they have their tails to tell too and you know the great thing about Ollie Campbell his father played minor for loud we found that out in this in, in this uh, story as well which is great but Ollie's story is particularly you know Ollie as he said himself in the shadow of the GA Citadel which is Croke Park I learned my rugby because he went to um, what do you call it Belvedere mm. uh, as, as, as a young boy and played for Belvedere which sold some of the land ultimately, I think, so that Croke Park could be reconstituted the way it is for modern Croke Park because the old Croke Park didn't have enough land that side or something like that. But Ollie spoke in one sense about his regret of never playing the GEA, but then becoming very patty with Mick Hickey and David Hickey and the dubs of the 70s and becoming an avid GEA fan, so much so that when he was down in Kerry on his holidays in the late 70s, he heard Kerry were training in Killarney that night and with his sunglasses on and putting a sun hat, he said, no one will know who I am here. I'll just go and watch and see how Kerry trained. Mm. And then he says, what followed for the following two hours actually knocked me off my perch. Here I was, an Irish international playing for the Lions 
and were supposed to be as near as damn it, even in that era, uh, to professionals. And this this Kerry crowd, he said, we wouldn't have lasted twenty minutes with them. Isn't fast forward, yeah. The development in in Kerry and in particularly in Michael Dwyer, you have to fast forward to about eight years when Ollie was collecting some award at a do in Dublin, and so were some of the Kerry lads, including Mikey Sheehy, the great forward, and Mikko. And Mikey knew Ollie and called him over and said, "Ollie, did you ever uh, did you ever see Kerry training session?" And Ollie was a little bit taken back, and he said, "I I I did actually. How did you know that?" He said. You don't think the ball Mikko didn't spot you in the stand that night. Oh, and he, absolutely. He, he turns to us and he says, lads, he says, we'll show these rugby fancy dance what real men do when it comes to playing. <laughs> oh, simply, simply brilliant. PJ, I have to leave it there today. It's fantastic. And what a gift this would be for Christmas time. I say it now. Come on, we're on the run in now. Grassroots, the second half by PJ Cunningham. Lots of local links there and more besides. It's available where, PJ? Uh, it's it's in all Eastern bookshops, Good. all Argosy independent bookshops, Dubrays, Waterstones, everywhere. Really getting the, the the bookshops are really getting behind this one on strength of last year because they expect this to sell well. And it, any place I've gone in is right in the middle of the bookshops, which is great because we're a small little publisher, and to get that sort of backing from the is terrific it's absolutely terrific thanks to Louise for a brilliant story not at all you're welcome you're welcome it's a fantastic tale take care of yourself PJ talk to you soon bye bye congratulations on the second one Grassroots the second half The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week now before you start picking crows at me I have to tell you that she was on my Artist of the Week to-do list anyway but jumped to the top of the pile last week when she announced her Queen of Me tour would be coming to Dublin on the 19th and 20th of September next year. Who am I talking about? Well, through her halcyon days and though they were in the 90s, late 90s and early noughties Her music and songs and popularity have obviously endured as she's had to add a second Dublin date. She was only going to do one date, the 19th, added the 20th. Such was the demand for tickets to see her. She was born Eileen Regina Edwards on August 28, 1965 in Ontario, Canada. As the name suggests, yes, Eileen Regina there has to be an element of Irish blood there. And yes, there is, because you see, her maternal granny was Eileen Pierce from Newbridge in Kildare. Yes, my artist of the week this week is the one and only Shania Twain. And when I tell you that she had a very tough upbringing, because you see, her parents separated when she was only two, with her mum, Sharon, marrying again. And her second husband was called Jerry Twain. And Shania and her two sisters all took his surname. And they are twins. They say true and true. This second marriage, however, wasn't entirely a bed of roses. Money was scarce. Food wasn't always on the table. So believe it or not, at just eight years of age, Shania began singing around local bars at eight to earn a few dollars, which supplemented the family income and was very important to the family. Humble beginnings indeed, you have to say, for a would-be superstar. More tomorrow about our life. But musically today, my first song of the week is from 1998. A top five in the UK, top ten in America. It's a cracker. It's Miss Shania Twain. I've known a few guys who thought they were pretty smart. But you've got being right down to an art. You think you're a genius, you drive me up. That don't impress me much. Yeah, Miss Shania Twain, my artist of the week this week. You'll be hearing that on the 19th or 20th of September next year. Your tickets to go and see her at the Three Arena in Dublin. I was just saying to Louise there, I couldn't believe the range of hits and the amount of hits she had back in the 90s and early noughties as well. That will be some gig when she touches down in Dublin. More about Shania in words and song round about this time tomorrow afternoon. Finishing the show today with a remarkable man, Paul Boyle from Dundalk. He took up beekeeping just 15 years ago. He's now an international judge. Sweet finish to late lunch today. Stay with us. In terms of beekeeping, he's a relatively new beekeeper, I have to say. Now, it's 15 years ago since Paul Boyle took up beekeeping, but his progress has been phenomenal. Master beekeeper and now international honey judge. And he joins me on the line. Afternoon, Paul. 
Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, first off, Paul, I have to talk about the, the, the weather and all the rain we've been having lately. Did it come at the right time? Were you OK with the honey harvest this year? Yeah, yes, we were very lucky, actually. We had a why it's slow enough summer coming on but come to the end of the season when we needed it it came through so we all got a good bit of honey so we had a good year to the end but in the middle of the year it wasn't looking good but it actually came good to the end so we were very lucky you know rain and moisture are the nemesis aren't they of the beekeeper Paul that's what it is yeah because the rain will wash the nectar out of the plants and the bees are nothing to eat yes so that's what we're looking at you know anyway your story is a phenomenal one Paul because you began with County Loud Beekeepers 15 years ago but in terms of the life time of a beekeeper what I'm saying it is really a, a short time and you've risen to the very top now what do you have to do to become an international judge Paul? Well the first thing is you have to join the local club yeah. <laughs> get, get acquainted to the bees and just come and join us <laughs> and then eventually you start showing your competitions and then you start winning your competitions and then you have to get all your exams done and then you have to buy into the exam system of the judging and then you have to sell your time with the older guys who are the judges. Now, I'm one of them now, so I'm not one of the older guys. And then it takes about six years from when you get your book to get it filled in there to become a judge. Mm. So it's a long, hard road, you know. And with that in mind, will you be judging the uh, County Loud Honey Show this coming weekend? Yeah, I'm judging it on Saturday morning. I won't judge it at the international standards that I'm kind of awarding gold medals at. But I'll, it'll be pretty hard on some of the entries, so I have to make sure the standard is well up, you know. And this is uh, fantastic that it's back because when was the last one? 2019? 2019, and we had nothing because of COVID, so we put everything on hold uh, because of COVID. We kept teaching at the apiary because it's all outside because you can't teach bees inside practical beekeeping but everything else just stopped where everything was put on pause for COVID So it's back and it's happening at the Chagos Centre Dublin Road Dundalk which is your HQ in County Loud starting at 9.30am on Saturday morning and running right through the day Paul yeah, I'm I'm uh, a one-man show judging, so I'll, it's open judging as well, so everybody can come in and see what I'm doing and explain what I'm doing. So it's basically, it depends on the many entries that are in, how long it's going to be, but I envision probably finishing about 4.30, 5 o'clock. It'll be a busy day for me, it'll be a nice fun day and an event for everybody else, but I, I do make it entertaining and I do explain what I'm looking for and why people are not getting prizes and how to get prizes the next time around. So it's all it's all about the magic and the secrets. So I, I share the secrets. And Paul, will you be judging the different aspects of honey? Because everybody knows like the standard gold clear honey that you see in the jar. But there are different, you know, types of honey depending whether the bees are foraging. Darker coloured honey, solid honey as well. Are you judging all? Everything at all. Whatever comes in, I'll judge. I'll judge light, medium, dark honeys. I'll do soft set honey. I'll do naturally granulated honey. I'll do mead which is the fun one at the end. Mm. I'll actually also do the beeswax as well. But no matter what comes in, it's judged. And there is criteria for everything because on, on an international level, everything comes to the show bench. So you, as a judge, you're just able to judge. Hey, Paul, you want to go easy on that mead? Ah, uh, well, look, I'm a pioneer, so I spit it out every time, you know. <laughs> it's a swear and, and out. Um, and what about cut comb? Is that, will that be an entry category? Uh, cut comb is, yeah, it's a, it's a very specialist area. So, like, we don't have too many of the guys in the tub doing cut comb, but to get cut comb right is really special. We have one guy, Tom Shaw, in the, in the tub. Oh, is yes. Brilliant at cut comb. Yeah. So, um, if we ever get up to hit Tom standard, I'd be very happy as well. It'd, it'd make it challenging for me to pick a first if we all get Tom standard. Uh, Tom's a great friend of ours and of course Tom put me in touch with yourself give him the trophy Paul listen it's his there's no need to judge it Tom's already he is fantastic there's no doubt about that what about uh, I was a member of uh, uh, of course you know for a time myself I'm not involved directly now at all what's the health of beekeeping like in the Wee County uh, we're doing very well now because we have we run a lot of intermediate or beginners courses and we have an intermediate study group as well and a senior study group we are known throughout the country as one of the best or better educated orientated clubs so basically the idea is that we bring people on and we continue getting them on hence where I am in, in, in the career path in the, in the beekeeping world as well so basically you can see the, the, the fruition of courses and the, and all the heavy duty study goals so it, it's pretty good actually now because we would run about 80 beginners last year and then we've, the syllabus has been changed now from the Federation of Irish Beekeepers but we're still expecting lots of people coming and beginning in 
mid-February is when this beginner's course will be starting. Good, and we'll be talking more about that in advance and be delighted to publicise it for you. So, Chagas Centre, Dublin Road, Dundalk, 9.30am, 9.30am, the doors open on Saturday. A welcome to call in during the day. I knew I'd get these questions, uh, a couple of listeners on to me here. Will there be any honey on sale? I don't know. I might ask, some of the members might bring some honey for sale. I well, there might be the possibility there okay. could be some honey for sale. Okay, all right, that is a possibility. And maybe it is it, a show, so basically, it, I understand. The honey that goes on the bench doesn't be for sale. Yes, it yes, goes to the next show that is there for competition purposes only, and they'll be all putting out the finest in the Chagas Centre this coming Saturday. But uh, we'll check in with Tom on that. There may be some there. We'll, if we find out, we'll let you know before the end of the week. Paul, I'll see you in here sometime. Thank you so much for taking time to join well, us today, and good luck with good. all you do. Thanks very much, Jerry. God bless. Bye Take care. Bye bye. That's Paul Boyle there. International Honey Judge. What an achievement. Coming up tomorrow on Late Lunch, Professor John Sweeney is with us to talk about Cup 27. Tony Conlon's on the road. He'll have his uh, picks of motors, of course, and more besides. Eugene Judge is joining me to talk about uh, a remembering Paddy event. Paddy Clark, the great GAA. Uh, football manager will be remembered and Eugene will be telling us all about it and of course we have our two on Tuesday as well. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio enjoy your evening and we're going to leave you now in the company of the wonderful Harry Styles. As It Was is the name of the song. Tomorrow it'll be As It Will Be one thirty here on Late Lunch. See you then. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.